0: Hey, good morning, Grace Community Church. At this moment, I'm probably flying back from uh, Washington, D.C. I'll be back in plenty of time for uh, Pizza with the pastor tonight, Lord willing. Uh, Pizza with the pastor is just an opportunity for us to gather with new people at Grace, get to know them a little bit as they get to know us, and uh, share pizza together. So if you're new here at Grace, we would love for you to be a part of that. You just need to stop at the information counter, immediately following the service, and let them know uh, that you're coming so we can make sure we have enough pizza for you. Last week, Northflat preached, and he talked about the power of connection. He talked about the fact that we need people in our lives to encourage us, to hold us accountable, to help us in our spiritual journey. And he asked this great question. He asked us, who are the people in our lives who are giving shape to the character and the calling of our lives? It was something that we really ought to stop and we want to ponder. I want to encourage you to jump in, to get connected here at Grace. There's a kiosk in the back after the service that you can go to and talk about being connected in a small group, or maybe you even feel led to lead a small group. We need small group leaders, but we would love for you to to go back there and let them know, and I would love for you to be uh, connected here at Grace. I wanted to send this video because I wanted to take the chance to um, introduce our speaker this morning. Uh, About 10, 20 years ago, Scott Schaum and I began a uh, really close relationship with one another. We began to meet. We began to just ask good questions of one another. As a matter of fact, we began to meet with some other men and just talk with each other about what it means to follow Jesus and to walk out our faith. Those relationships and those conversations were life-changing for me. God has used Scott to shape my character and to shape my calling. In a lot of ways, I'm not sure I would be the pastor here at Grace if not for uh, my relationship with Scott and the way he's poured into me as a man. Scott is a good husband. He's a father of three wonderful boys. He's a friend to many of us here at Grace. He's currently serving as the interim director at Barnabas International, uh, an organization that serves missionaries all over the world. Scott has given his life to pastor missionaries who are serving and some of the hardest to reach places of the world, people who are putting their lives on the line to do mission. Scott has lived out the very idea of laying down his life for his friends. We're really privileged to have Scott here today and I just want to encourage you to welcome my dear friend, Scott Schaum.
1: Good morning, great to be with you. So we're gonna continue this week in talking about the six essentials, series we've been going on through, and um, I'm gonna be speaking on the topic of generosity. Lest you think that Doug said, hey, Scott, will you speak about generosity because I'm getting out of town. Generosity is not just talking about money. Oftentimes when we think about generosity, we just go to, okay, kinda hear the pump talk about gotta get more money, gotta get more time, gotta get more of this, gotta get more of that, and talking about uh, equating the topic of generosity with just giving money would be like saying that God seeing us in our dilemma as mankind at a distance, looking at us, kind of pondering that, saying, oh, I know what I'll do. You pull out his checkbook, and he said, oh, no, let's make it out to mankind. Oh, that about about do it. Sign to God, and there that'll take care of it. That's not how God relates to us, is it? No, he comes to us. He, he, He dwells amongst us. He gives himself to us. We're going to see this topic of generosity really isn't just about giving stuff, though. Of course, that's an expression of it. This has to do with who our God is, and like everything else in our life, this is a relational topic. And so, earlier this this morning, we talked about let us experience the glory of Your goodness. We are literally going to look at that very subject throughout the past, uh, passages we're going to look at this morning. If you would turn with me to John chapter two, Gospel of John chapter two, I'd love for you to read this story with me. Uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. This is the fourth book in the New Testament. We're going to read a very familiar story about the uh, wedding in Cana, and we're going to get a glimpse at at what this concept of generosity is from a totally different perspective than maybe we normally address the subject. So join me in John chapter 2. Father, we ask that you would open our eyes to see, to see you more clearly. The very words we just sung, they are the cries of our hearts. You have put them in us. We reflect it back to you. Father, we desire to see you. Show us how this, this topic of generosity is very much the reality of how you give yourself to us. We receive that in the name of Christ. Amen. John chapter 2, verse 1. Let's pick up the story here that John gives to us. He says, On the third day, there was a wedding at Cana Cana in Galilee. The mother of Jesus was there. Jesus also was invited to the wedding with his disciples. And when the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, that is, said to Jesus, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Now, there was there six stone water jars for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. These were big clay jars. Verse 7, Jesus said to the servants, Fill the jars with water, and they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, Now draw some out and take it to the master of the feast. So they took it. When the master of the feast tasted the water, now become wine, and did not know where it came from, so the servants who had drawn the water knew. The master of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, Everyone serves the good wine first. And when people have drunk freely, then the poor lousy wine comes out. But you have kept the good wine until now. And then John throws this comment in here at the end. He says, the first, This was the first of the signs Jesus did at Canaan Galilee and manifested his glory and his disciples believed in him. So when it says that Jesus manifested he displayed his glory, what did the guys see? At the moment that the water turned to wine, did, his, did Jesus' face just start glowing gold? Ooh, did, a, did a halo pop over his head? I mean, what did they see? Were they just impressed with the power? They saw the water go in. They saw the wine come out. That's impressive. I don't think this has anything to do with power whatsoever at all. So many years when I read this text... That was just what I assumed as they saw the power of Jesus displayed in this this amazing miracle here. But when we reread the Gospel of John, glory never refers to power. It refers to something completely different. We're going to wrestle through some different passages here to get a glimpse of exactly what it was the apostles found themselves interacting with, getting a taste of what it is that Jesus is doing in their midst. But to get us started, there we're going to do a little bit of math here because six jars of 120 or twenty or thirty gallons—I I don't know what that, how that works out. I mean, but if we had six jars, if we had six jars and they were twenty gallons each. We'll go with uh, we'll go with the um, smaller amount. They were twenty gallons each. now that's hundred and twenty gallons. Well, how much is hundred and twenty gallons? Is that like a bathtub? Is that like a hot tub? I'm not having a hard time grasping this. So we know that an average bottle of wine is 700 milliliters. You go to, go to a wine store, you get a 700 milliliter bottle of wine. So let's do some math here and convert this to bottles of wine. So we know that one gallon of anything, water, wine, whatever, equals 375, 3,785 milliliters. Now, the reason I know this is because when I was a little kid and we were doing metric conversion stuff in my classroom. I was such a brilliant student. I learned all this stuff. And I also have a search engine on my computer. When I type in metric conversion tables, <laughs> it gives me this stuff. All right. So we know we got 120 gallons. So how many, how many milliliters does this make? Well, this is 454,200 milliliters. Now that's, you know, that's even more vague to me. So we're going to divide that by 700, because we know that your average bottle of wine is 700 milliliters, and what we get is 648 bottles of wine. All right, now, if we went with the bigger number, 30 gallons, 30 gallons each, that would equal 180 gallons, that comes out to 950 bottles. Now, let me tell you, when I was on staff here at church, I did a lot of weddings in this room. Even a big wedding only filled up maybe about two-thirds of this bottom section so if we were at a wedding and we all showed up five six hundred people jesus just turned this celebration into one heck of a party because we all get our own bottle of wine i literally i mean cana is a little village in galilee i mean this is not a big hopping city and he just turned this thing into this major wine fest here and why, why did he do that I mean, What what is he up to what, what did they see? They said he showed his glory, and they said, I want that. What, they just after the wine? They just after the power? Well, we're going to have to do a little bit of digging here to get a, a better glimpse of what we're doing, because this is, just, this is just a taste of what Jesus is up to. So jump with me over to John chapter 1. John chapter 1, verse 14. In John chapter 1, we kind of have like the prologue of the book, and John's beginning to introduce concepts and themes that he's going he's to develop through the rest of the book. And he gives us a working definition of glory, how he's going to use this word glory to the rest of this book. So in John 1, 14, he says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. And so this glory, what John is saying, doesn't have anything to do with power. doesn't have anything to do with rainbows and lightning bolts and stuff like that. It's a, it's a display of who this God really is. Now, if we were practicing Jews and we knew the Old Testament really well, we'd read this phrase and this thing would light up like a light bulb in our minds because it's going to take us back to a core Old Testament passage in which God revealed something about himself that nobody, else knew, nobody knew before then. And I'm going to read, that, read from that passage. This is Exodus chapter 33 and 34. And this is the time when uh, Israel had been delivered from, from uh, Egypt. They had been taken across the Red Sea. They're out in the wilderness, and now they're at Mount Sinai. And God is rev- giving them the law. He's saying, okay, th- he's building them into his people. And then while Moses is up there for a long time, we have that whole golden calf incident, and God gets angry, and he says he's going to wipe out the people. And, and Moses responds, as as a leader should, and he begins to intercede for the people. And so God and Moses have this thing going on. And we pick this up in Exodus 33, verse 14, and this this is how this interaction goes. And the Lord said to Moses, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. And Moses said to him, If your presence does not go with us, do not send us from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? So Moses is asking for more than just, you know, again, just don't just stand at a distance and sprinkle us with a little bit of grace dust. We want you with us. We have to have you with us. Now notice in verse 18 what Moses asks for next. He says, God, show me your glory. So what is he asking for? I mean, think of all that Moses has experienced up to this point. He's seen the burning bush. He's, he's witnessed the plagues. He's led the people across the Red Sea. He's now at, the, at, the, at the Mount Sinai. He's talking to God face to face for crying out loud. So is he just saying, I want a little bit more power? I don't think so. Notice how the Lord responds. Verse 19, he says, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you, and I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. Moses asked for glory. God essentially says, okay, I will do that. And you will see my goodness. When Moses is asking for glory, he's saying, who are you? What are you like? I want to know you. I don't want to just know about you. I don't want to just know about your power. I don't want to know just about your judgment or your wrath. I want to know you. And, And God says, here's my goodness. So he picked this up. Going down through Exodus 30 into Exodus 34, and God um, gives Moses some instructions, tells him come back the next day. We pick it up in verse five, and it says the Lord came down in the cloud and stood there with him and proclaimed his name, the Lord. And here we have a key verse in all of the Old Testament: Exodus 34:6. And God passed in front of Moses, proclaiming, "The Lord, the Lord, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger." abounding in love and faithfulness. Those two words there, those are actually in Hebrew, those are two words, abounding in love and faithfulness. If you read the NIV, I think it says everlasting love, covenant love, unconditional love. It's the Hebrew word hesed. The next word there, faithfulness, can be translated truth. It's it's the Hebrew word hamet. And God says, if you want to know who I am, the core of who I am as your God, here are here are trademark characteristics these are so central to understanding who our god is you can't hardly read a psalm without them referring to this verse again and again and again the old testament says god is abounding in love and faithfulness he never changes he's true to who he says he's loving he's loving he's loving it's all over the place the prophets quote it. um paul quotes this verse it's in the book of hebrews james quotes this verse this is a revelation. And so when John says in one fourteen, we have seen his glory, oh by the way the same glory that Moses asked to see and what we saw when we walked this earth was Jesus was this God who is full of love and faithfulness. John uses the words grace and truth. And this is our working definition of this word grace guys in John chapter 2 see this water turned to wine and they see this ridiculous amount of abundance that Jesus gives to this wedding party I mean these people are famous for the rest of their lives remember their party he is showing his overflowing lavish abounding generosity his love his faithfulness his kindness his goodness This is what the apostles saw, and that's what they wanted, and that's what they believed in. Now, we don't have time to go through the whole Gospel of John to see all the ways that John used glory, so we're going to skip all the way to the end, John chapter 17. And this is the chapter in John chapter 17 where we have the long prayer of Jesus on the night he was crucified. And actually, the paragraph we're going to look at, which is the last paragraph in this chapter, is when he's praying for those of us in this room. Literally. And we'll see how we know that for certain. What I want you to do as as I'm reading this text to you is notice the connection between how he uses the word glory and the word love in this text. Now, I'll I'll, I'll tie this all together here for us. So we're going to be in John chapter 17, verse 20. Jesus is praying here, and he says, I do not ask for these only, I do not pray for these only. what he's referring to is his immediate apostles who are there with them. He says, I only pray for these, these ones you've given me only, but I also pray for all those who will believe in me through their word, and that's us. So he's praying for us, and this is what he prayed for us. He says, that they may be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they may also be in us, so that the world may believe that you sent me. And notice his use of glory here. The glory that you have given me i give to them now wait a minute time out now jesus is at the right hand of the father The father has exalted him he's above every name every king every power and authority he is enthroned and we know from philippians 2 and other places that when we come face to face with him every knee is going to bow and say you are the lord to the glory of the father so what's he mean he's sharing his glory with us it's got to be something different than enthronement it's got to be something different than being the king of kings, we're not all going to be a bunch of kings. So what is he talking about here? Well, let's go on and see what he says. He says, The glory that you have given me, I have given them, that they may be one, even as we are one, I and them, you and me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you have sent me and loved them, even as you love me. Key statement there. Now notice what he says in verse 24. Father, I desire that they also... Whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you have loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, even though the whole world does not know you, I know you and these that you have sent to me or have given to me that you have sent me to, I have made known to them your name. I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and, and I may be in them. Let's tie this all together. After the apostles died, we had, a, we had a group of theologians in early church history, and they were trying to put this whole trinity thing together, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And one of the ways they describe God is that he's a fountain. God is always overflowing with love and goodness. This fountain never turns off. He's always giving of himself. And so for all eternity, the Father has been gazing upon the Son, and he has been loving the Son and giving his life to the Son. And for all eternity, the Son has returned the gaze of the Father, and he's been receiving the love and the life of the Father. So like right here he just says, because you have been loving me before the foundation of the world. Before there was ever creation, before he was Lord over anything, the Father and Son were living in this loving relationship, and the Holy Spirit was binding them together. And the, and the earlier theologian said, this is the glory of God. It's their loving relationship. So how does this, where do we fit in this picture? The Father has so enjoyed loving his Son. He wanted other sons and daughters to love. And the son has so enjoyed being the beloved of the father, and he wants whatever his father wants. And so the son was willing to come to earth that he may give his life to us so that when we receive his life, we become his sons and daughters. We read about that in John 1.12, well-known verse. Many of you memorized it. John 1.12, let me skip back there, says, all, To all who did receive him, who believe in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. Later on in his first epistle letter, 1 John chapter 3, he said, behold what manner of love God has lavished on us, poured out on us. And we should be called his children. Excuse me. So what we see here. What these guys ran into, what they just got a glimpse here, is that Jesus wasn't just doing a power trip thing. He was just saying, hey, watch this trick, guys. This is going to be pretty cool. Watch them freak out over this one. No, 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 no. It wasn't about the power. He says, you want a glimpse of who I am, what this God is like? I'm the same God Moses interacted with. I am the God of glory, and my glory is love and grace and faithfulness and truth. And I have come to give myself to you. You see, generosity is not a concept. When I hear a sermon about generosity, I don't just say, okay, I gotta try harder. I gotta go out and give more of myself, give more of my money, give more of my time. You see, generosity is a person. God doesn't just stand at a distance and say, get your act together, people. Give more stuff. No, he gives himself to us. Jesus has come and he has given himself to us. And this is exactly what the guys were beginning to realize, is that we have a God of faithfulness and love and grace and truth, and I receive him. And so when we come to the subject of generosity, we are not just talking about money, we're talking about the concept of receiving the living God into our lives. Because our God is a generous God. He is an abundant God. He overflows in our life. And here is a spiritual truth. If we want to become a generous people, We must first become practiced receivers. If you want to be a generous person, you must first be a well practiced receiver. To teach God, for you to receive of him, that he may overflow. Jesus said, I am the living water. He who drinks of me from within him will well up a stream of life and overflow. So I don't just, it's just not about me trying harder. It's not about me doubling down on my efforts. It's not about me getting down on myself because I'm not giving enough and going enough and doing enough. It's about me turning my gaze to the God who is the living God, who is the generous God, who is constantly pouring out his life to us. And this whole a bunch of wine things, it's just, it's just to give a demonstration of how much he wants to lavish our life with his love. Now, of course, there's a bunch of symbolism going on here too. I mean, he's using these tall jar of clay's, which are the Jewish purification rite. What they'd do is they'd wash themselves with that water. But well, Jesus put a new wine in there? And it's a symbolic of the wine of His blood that will wash us. We don't have to wash ourselves anymore. We've been washed forever. Jesus is trying. To, he's screaming, "I am giving myself to you." This is but a, just a little glimpse of what I will do in your life. I give myself to you. And so when we come to the subject of generosity. It's not just a matter of me working harder, trying harder, disciplining myself more. It's about me turning my gaze to my God, saying, I want to experience your glory. What is his glory? It's his loving kindness, it's his faithfulness, and it is true. I want to come to you, Father. Teach me to receive of you. As we drink more deeply of him, he will overflow in our life. So when we show up at work, and we're working those people that drive us nuts. You know all those people in your workplace; they're driving you nuts. It's tomorrow morning. It's like Jesus. I'm going to strangle this dude because he's driving me nuts. Oh God, forgive me, man. I know I'm supposed to love him. I know, I know. I'm going to strangle him. It's not a matter of just trying harder. We turn our gaze to the one who is generous, to the one who gives us love, the one who is love. We get in, we get into pro, we get into danger when we start making things like love. Strength, all these things, some type of object thing. So we plug ourselves into Jesus. We get the, from Jesus all the stuff we need, and then we go out and we live our life. So Jesus, give me a little bit of love. Give me some power. Give me some. Give, give, me, give me some more of you. And then I go out and I live my life. But Jesus is not saying, "Don't just plug yourself into me." I give myself to you so that every, no matter where you are, what you're doing, He is with us. Remember all that talk in John chapter 17: I and them, you and me, abide in me. Commune with me, receive of me, feed of me, drink of me, and I will overflow into your life. And before you know it, that guy who's driving you nuts at work, you start acting a little bit kind to him in return. And it's not because you've just tried hard, or you've read another book, you've done another love seminar or whatever. You are receiving the one who is generous. You are receiving the living God. So when I'm writing my 10% check and dropping in the offering, that's just a simple faith expression, just a simple act of obedience. It's just, it's just a little smidge of all that God's pouring into my life. We have these six essentials here at the church, and this, this is a beautiful image. I mean, one of the responsibilities of a, a wise and godly leadership, they don't just tell the people in the church, hey, you've got to be more spiritual, you've got to be more godly. They actually give you concrete ways to see what it looks like, and this is, this is what this serves for us here. And so we got generosity in the middle. Last week we talked about connection. Well, one of the ways generosity talks connection is that as I am connected with Jesus, as I am communing with Him in my devotional life, as I'm drinking of Him, receiving of Him, Him, I get together with other believers, and all I have to give to them is whatever Jesus has given me. You don't have to be a Bible scholar. You don't have to be a counselor. I want to say something here. To anybody in this church is 45 and old. Find somebody in this body you can spend time with that's younger than you. A a student, a college student, another younger mom or dad or single person. You don't have to have all the answers, but the Bible clearly says older men get with younger men, older women with younger women, and give to them whatever Jesus gives you. And if they come to you and you say, Man, my marriage is a disaster, I don't know what to do, what should I do? He's like, "Oh, Oh, I don't know what to do. You don't need to have answers you sit with them and you listen to them and you reach across and you grab their hand and say, I'm so sorry, can I pray with you? I don't know what to do. Let's see what Jesus is going to show us. Connect with one another. Give your life to one another. Service. We're going to have a big next weekend. There's going to be an opportunity to think about ways you can serve other people in the church. That's just a simple hand out bulletins, hanging with the kids and youth ministries, whatever you're doing. It's just simple ways of manifesta- manifesting the fact that god has poured himself into us and he invites us to overflow into other lives so this is what i like to do just to, to kind of wrap up our time together this morning you can stand you can sit you can kneel you raise your hands do whatever you want to do but i want you to think about the songs we sang earlier this morning i want to think about this this image of of jesus displaying his glory which is showing his his heart revealing his father to us of being a god of faithfulness of love, of truth, of kindness. He gives himself to us. So let's just pray here for a moment. Close your eyes. Like I said, stand, kneel, whatever you want to do. How has God been generous to you? How have you experienced his generosity in your life? Just just spend some time talking to him about that. How has he poured his spirit out in your life? How has he demonstrated his love, his forgiveness, his loving kindness to you ask him to teach you to be a well practiced receiver to feed on him to drink of him to receive of him every moment of your life ask him to teach you how to do that he doesn't leave us on our own to figure that out he will teach us he will show us find yourself in situations where man life doesn't feel very generous with you you're struggling your job or your marriage or your finances or your kids or alone or whatever it is you're struggling with he knows that he's still kind he's still faithful just talk to him about that reality in your life that you're confused you're frustrated you're angry just don't see how it all fits together he knows just pour your heart out as a child to his father her father I want you to ponder for a second in what ways has he been inviting you to take all that he has poured into your life and to share that with others even in the most simple of ways kind words a hug if you're not sure how that looks in your life simply ask him Lord you've poured so much into me how do you want to overflow in my life he'll show you it may not be today it may not be tomorrow but he'll show you he'll teach you loves to lead his children. We're not going to sing a song here this morning to close. We're just going to pray together. I'm going to send you out. So if you want to stand, please, I'd like to bless you all. There are going to be people up front here. If you'd like to pray with somebody, I'd, I'd love to pray with you. There's going to be a prayer team up here if you'd like to receive prayer. Grace Church, God has been abundant to you. We gather here in the name of Jesus Christ and we worship him and we sing and we hug and we pray together and we wrestle together and our messy lives here together. God sees you. You are a, you are a daughter who is loved and doted upon by a father. You are a son that he has made his own. He is with you. He is in you. And he is through you. He has been so generous and abundant to you. And he will pour himself through this community everywhere you go this week. And encourage you to simply spend some time reflecting on the reality of how he's been generous in your life. Father, thank you so much that you don't just stand at a distance in our lives with pity and sorrow and say, Oh, that's a that's too bad. They're in a mess. What are we going to do? You come to us. You come to us in love and in mercy and grace. You give yourself to us. Jesus, you laid your life down for us. Your love is one of self sacrificing and self giving. And so, Father, first I would t- ask you that you would continue to teach us how to be a people who receive of you, who feed on the living bread, who drink of the living water. And Lord, I don't necessarily know how all this works, but overflow from our lives us how to be gentle, gracious, wise, kind, flow through us, that we may be a people in this community that's marked by generosity, simply because the living God overflows through us. We ask in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Go in His life. Go in His peace.